0: Welcome to EI Cafe with Azim, in which he reflects on key aspects of life and business through the lens of emotional intelligence. You will learn how emotional intelligence can be used for your success in both personal and professional lives. The podcasts cover topics on leadership, collaboration, culture, building a positive mindset and even raising kids. You will hear key life lessons and tips from the most prominent personalities, business leaders, entrepreneurs, AI practitioners, and executive coaches from around the world. So sit back, relax with a cup of coffee as we get into today's show, AI Cafe with Azim.
1: In the dynamic landscape of today's business world, organizational success hinges not only on strategies and structures but also on less tangible yet powerful element culture. Your organizational culture is the invisible force that shapes behavior, influence decision making, and ultimately determine the success trajectory. Join us as we unveil the significance of why your culture is critical for success. Now, how a robust culture can fuel innovation, foster collaboration and create a thriving environment where both individual and the organization can flourish. Let's delve into the core of this essential element and understand how it can be driving force for sustainable success in the ever-evolving business landscape. A very warm welcome to the show. This is season ten of EI Cafe with Azim, and I am your host, M Azim Sahil. I'm a human capital specialist, a Lego Serious Play facilitator, ICH certified peace level coach, and emotional intelligence and emotional culture Tech practitioner. I'm one of the lead facilitator at Luminary Learning Solution. In today's topic, we are going to talk about why your culture is critical for success. Of course, I have a very special, and is special means specialized in the topic. Let me introduce the gentleman. He is one of the world's leading experts on practical culture change. He is a, 4, a 4x best-selling author, a world running speaker, and expert, and works on with organizations and teams all around the world to help them high-performing teams that treat each other with respect and empathy. He's originally from Liverpool in the UK and now he spends his time between Australia, Europe and US. Ladies and gentlemen, let me welcome Colin Ellis, Global Culture Consultant, Award-winning speaker and best-selling author and of course a fellow podcaster. Colin, welcome to EI Cafe.
2: Thank you, Azim. What what an introduction! Thank you.
1: <laughs> so, first and foremost, thank you very much for your valuable time you have given me. Um, there are different parts of the world, but culture brings us together on one one platform, isn't it?
2: Yes, it does. It's 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 the one constant in all workplace cultures, which I know we're going to get stuck into. But it's the one thing that every organization needs to be successful. Yeah.
1: So, Colin, let me let me give you why I took this context as i said before the whole uh, conversation we start officially culture has been talk of the town now every part of the world i think it's a good sign that people are really understanding the importance of culture because they were always focused on the results the kpis um performance and the numbers uh but the culture would be a very light component but it's a very powerful component so let me give this question for you first like in this way how does organisational culture impact employee engagement and motivation? Now, why I asking employee engagement, organisers build with employees? So that was the reason I just wanted to. think. What's your thought? Well,
2: you, you mentioned it at the start when you introduced the, the podcast, Azeem, you talked about it's the invisible force. And for years, it it has been invisible. I always used to liken it to a black box. I've been doing this work for almost 10 years. And when I first started, nobody nobody wanted to talk about culture. You know, I joke all the time that no one had heard of culture until I wrote Culture Fix in 2019, but it was a black box. Nobody, Nobody really saw into the workings behind an organization and all that's changed. It's changed because the world has changed. It's changed because as humans, we have changed. Um, and, and what we require from the workplace now is a sense of belonging, a mm. sense of well-being, and a place to bring our best selves. And, and when organizations are deliberate about creating that Azeem, then what that does is it increases engagement, this mythical thing, engagement. Mm. Mm-hmm. Engagement, essentially, is how much people care, how much people care about their job, how much people care about the organization they work for, how, how much people care about their teammates. And, you know, what's been proven time after time is when organizations really think about and actually take the time to define this is what culture means for our organization within our context, then then what they build is something that employees feel engaged with. Mm -hmm. And at that point, what they do is contribute to it. And so it becomes this perpetual life force is when you work on culture, you continue to have a great one. If you don't work on culture, uh, then the chances are that, that it will remain invisible until something goes wrong, and then it will be visible everywhere.
1: I think I think I really love that particular plot, how you brought that particular context of employee and the engagement part. Now, culture has been built with employees or people around it, right? Now, does the top management Do you really think about the people when they start thinking about or creating the culture, or they just create the culture and ask people to fix into it? How does it work?
2: Yeah, I don't think, yeah, yeah, I don't even think they create it. As in, you know, that's my experience. You know, I'm fortunate I work to, you know, I get to work with some of the world's best cultures, which which I'll kind of share some of the insights from that. Uh, those, Those guys actually think about, well, how do we create the conditions so that we can achieve results? I still think that most organizations, Uh, And again, you mentioned it at the top, is is they think about results first. They think about structures first. And so maybe if I could just take a little bit of time, just maybe a minute or so, and outline where it fits in. Organizations and generally senior leaders start with a vision for a business. Maybe there's a board of directors. If it's a government agency, usually it's a government minister. And they will say, this is our aspiration for the future. It's usually a three, five-year statement of where they want to be. What they then do is create a strategy, and the strategy really outlines what are the objectives that we have, you know, where do we need to invest, what's our budget, and and also what are the goals, you know, how will we measure our success. And so the goals naturally fall out Mm. of the strategy. Then what they do is they say, okay, well, what we need to create is an operating model, and this is where, for me, organizations are most comfortable what they'll do is say, we'll need this structure, we'll need this set of governance, we'll need these processes, we'll need these methods of doing things. You know, and, they, and what they do is they say, oh, if we, if we create this, then we'll achieve the goals. Well, of course, that's not true. The thing that actually delivers the goals is the thing below that, which is, which is the culture. And so having defined the strategy and having really outlined how we're going to set ourselves up, it's up to then the organization to bring staff together and go, "Okay, well, how will we as a group of human beings Mm. within the context within which we work, how are we going to work together to deliver those results? Mm. And so, you know, coming circling back around to your question, I don't think enough people are deliberate about it. And this is why you see so many cultures in the media. Azim for doing really bad things because they haven't really thought about it. They haven't really kind of talked about what will it take to make sure that we don't end up in the media? What will it take to make sure that we are (laughs) successful? And what it will take, of course, is relationships between people who agree how they're going to get things done.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I I really love the part you how you brought that vision and the strategy and how it really escalated. I think that's one of the important key factors I think many leaders and the organisers need to look out for. And I think the important piece is, um, Colin, what I see, the whole structure would say is the communication piece, right? Um, is it really communicated to the people? This is how you we need to behave in this particular thing to achieve this. These are the values we need to show up. I think that would be the one of the missing components. So o- on that note, I, I'm really curious to know, look, now, we are in the age of technology, right? Um, we are in the age of Industrial Revolution 4.0, uh, whatever people call it. Um See, how does strong cultures can contribute to this context of innovation and adaptability, you know, within the organization? Because every organization trying to go digital, artificial intelligence, you name it, whatnot, right? Um, how does can people, uh, that culture component can really contribute to this fact?
2: The, the funny thing about that question, Azeem, is that often, you know, people will say, oh, we we you know, artificial intelligence is around the corner. We want to create a, you know, we want to create a culture that really welcomes our uh, artificial intelligence. Most of these companies can't even use email properly. They don't even, they're still getting a 1,000 emails a day. I'm like, gosh, you've got no chance if you, can, you can't even use uh, email. I think um, when it comes to innovation, I think Brian Chesky said it better. Brian Chesky is one of the co-founders of Airbnb, uh, he, you know, they're, they're one of the most innovative, innovative companies over the last 15, 20 years, I would say. And he says that the, the culture is what creates the foundation for all future innovation. If you break the culture, you break the machine that breaks your products. And so there's a distinction between creativity and innovation. Creativity is a process whereby we come up with ideas and innovation is the mechanism by which we implement those ideas. Some of them are successful, great, and we'll take the learning from those, what made them successful. And some of them won't be successful, and they'll fail, and great, we'll turn take the learnings for them and, and make sure that we, that we don't do that. In my experience in the organizations that I work with, people are too busy, and I'll come back to that word in a minute, people are too busy to actually be creative. They don't have time. They're swamped um the software development companies do it better than most because they have to, to 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 keep up and of course when it comes to artificial intelligence they're already a step ahead of everybody else because they actually give their people the time to say okay well you know kind of what's being created how can we use generative ai how can it influence the things that we do how do we use it in a safe mm. safe way but as i said for, for for many other organizations they they are generally missing kind of a large opportunity within their organizations because they're stuck in this mode of busy they were busy as a badge i'm really busy i'm really busy mm-hmm. you know and the difference between busy and productive is productive actually means leads to meaningful outcomes mm-hmm. whereas busy you're just on this kind of never-ending hamster wheel we call it in england <laughs> where you go round and round and round and round and round and round. Um, and, and, and you never get to the point where you actually innovate Yeah, And so innovation is crucially important, not only for the continued success of the organization, but it also keeps the culture fresh. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's one of the things that that, that will keep employees loyal to the organization as well.
1: Fantastic. Um, Now, the loyalty piece coming in, and and, and you talked about how important this innovation piece is, and people being busy. Now, one of the, uh, apart from the busy, right, one of the um, important topics many leaders and many organizers talk about is a performance right and i saw that uh, on the introduction when i was like you mentioning about you where you you talk about high performing teams and you bring the context of empathy into it also now high performing teams i'll just get the extended version of high performing culture and empathy what does this mean in in creating those culture for performance
2: yeah, high performance is not possible if you if you don't have meaningful relationships between people. Often, when organisations approach me as they'll say, "Oh, we want a high performing team." And I ask them to describe the conditions that they have at the minute. Most of them don't even have teams. Mm. They don't even have performing teams. There's no chance of, of high performing teams, you know. And, uh, and of course, you know, and I t- I wrote about this in Culture Fix a couple of years back. It's for me the the, the one of the strongest pillars of high performance culture is relationships between individuals. Now, you don't have to be best friends. You don't have to be kind of, you know, like in personal relationships with each other. But what you have to do is you have to can create connections between other human beings so that they understand not only themselves and self-aware individuals are the building blocks for really strong culture, as in. But they have to be able to kind of know other people to be able to communicate with them in the right way, to be able to provide feedback, to be able to have constructive discussions. You know, all of the high-performing teams that I work with, they're able to... Um, kind of really challenge each other on what's the right approach without ever anybody taking it seriously they never resort to passive-aggressive emails telling people that they don't like stuff or or giving people the silent Mm -hmm. treatment you know email ghosting is a big issue in in low-performing cultures and so with you know kind of without emotionally intelligent Individuals, and I know you do a lot of work in this yourself. Is is that uh, for me? Emotional intelligence has been downplayed for far too long in our workplaces. You know, to the point where we we call emotional intelli- emotionally intelligent soft skills. Mm. You know, my dad's generation used to call it fluffy stuff. You know, all of that. Ooh, isn't it nice? Well, actually, these are the critical skills yep. for cultural success. Without emotional intelligence, not only can you you know you can't moderate your own behavior because you don't really understand how you feel, but you can't build relationships with other people and in, in, in such that you can never have that empathy. And for me, empathy mm-hmm. is the glue uh, that binds high performing cultures together.
1: Yeah, I think I think you were really spot on that um, the critical skill, right? Um, we, we were used to talk about soft scale and then we. Transfer to human skill, which is much more needed. I think I love the fact that you brought that critical, how important and relationship is vital, right? And to high-performing culture. But my question is, um, Colin, is culture can it can it be really long term or is it short term? Because why I'm asking this question is organization wants performance they want numbers they want profitable they want everything quick i I like the fixed part and the culture book behind right they want quick fix can cultures can be created for quick fix, or is it a long-term sustainable process it depends Azim. it
2: really depends on the the type of culture that the organization has at that time you know and I, i talk about these four cultures where you have Low emotional intelligence and low engagement. You have what we call a stagnant culture. These cultures are really, really broken. This is where results just, you know, everyone's selfish. They're just working for themselves and results are never hit. You have pleasant cultures where there's where there's low engagement, but high emotional intelligence. In these kinds of cultures, there's there's really lots of good intent, but there's also lots of emails, there's lots of meetings, there's there's very low productivity. When you get to high engagement and low emotional intelligence, you have what I call a combatant culture. Everything is a fight. Everything is a battle. Lots of poor behaviors. And yet the reality is you actually achieve some results. Mm -hmm. Uh, The goal should always be a vibrant culture. A vibrant culture is high emotional intelligence, Mm -hmm. high engagement. Mm And so, if, if an organisation finds itself in a stagnant culture, it's going to take a lot more work to turn that around. Mm. For, 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 for pleasant cultures and for, for, for combatant cultures, you can generally—and I've done this myself—you can you can change your culture generally within about three months. It takes mm. that length of time because you know, even you know, when organisations bring me in to run workshops, take a couple of days to do yeah. those things. What you do is create a new definition of, of how you want to work. Mm. But then you have to stick to it. It's like changing a habit, Azine. Like, you know, if I decide that in January I'm not going to drink alcohol, it's not a success if I measure it on January the 2nd. Trust me, I've tried. Uh, It's only a success if I measure it on January the 30th. And it's the same with culture, um, and 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 often what what organisations will do is they'll send everybody on a training course, and they will go right. Well, that's that. We've done that, or they'll well mm-hmm. they'll 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 work with a firm of consultants and say right, we've yeah. got a set of values. Yeah. Well, let's let implement them. That's that, and yeah. and so I, you know, what I always say is it, it depends, but it usually you can usually change a culture fundamentally mm-hmm. between three and twelve months mm-hmm. uh, if the commitment is high from senior leaders
1: at parent thrive we embrace parenthood together join us to navigate the joys and challenges of raising children through connecting with the community as parents we connect as parents we share as parents we learn and grow
2: join us at parents drive to start your empowered journey towards
0: parenting
1: right uh before i move to the next question it's really you know hitting my mind when you said about um how shifting and you know cultures need to be really it depends on the organization um now one of the challenges is now we have gone global right now we are on internet we can connect organization going global right uh people are really got exposed to different organization cultures now if i am running an organization in sri lanka let's say in the it industry and i look at an, a company. Uh, in, in, in Australia or in Liverpool, can I bring the same industries, the same environment culture to sit up in Sri Lanka? What is your thought? Can I copy yes and no.
2: paste? Yeah, well, if- no, you can't copy and paste. No. Um, and so the, the, the question I often get asked is uh, Red Bull, the drink is my, I would say is my biggest client. They're, they're a fantastic organization. And people say, oh, we want a Red Bull culture. And I always say, we well, can't have one. Uh, because you're not Red Bull for a start, you know, <laughs> even if I work with another soft drink, you're, you're not Red Bull, you can't have their culture. Uh, but what you can do is, is learn from what they do really well. And what they don't, you know, what Red Bull don't do is as a global organization, they don't dictate culture from the center. They're very, very clear. They have a set of uh, philosophies that organizations would call them values. And they say, these are our values. You know, we did we did we did a lot of work last year with the global general management team, and, and we said, okay, here's the values, here's what they mean, here's a blueprint for how to build culture. Because because remember, most managers mm-hmm. aren't taught how to build culture. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it's another thing that I do is I teach them how to build culture. So we say this is how you build culture: you take our values and you go and apply them within your country, within your context. And so often the mistake that head offices make. Um, is they try and impose, let's say, a US culture on Sweden, mm. when the actual the social culture is really quite different. So let's use Australia as an example. The social culture here is very, very laid back, very laid back, you know. And there's a traditional view of Aus- Australians where you know shrimps on the barbie and <laughs> beach time and all of those kind of things. It's summer now as I speak to you. It's roasting in this room. Um, where I'm from in in the UK, it's very reserved. It's almost the opposite mm. of the Australian culture. Listen, they still, they still like to have a drink, but only at the end of the day when all of the work is done. And so you can't impose that culture, and this is often the challenge mm. that organizations find. And, and, and so this is where we really do need to teach managers, and only 3% globally of managers know how to build culture well. We need to teach them how to build culture within the context that they're working in to ensure that it's aligned to the values that the organization has, because that, that's the key uh, mm. for strong culture.
1: Uh, Colin, can I add at like aligning with the values, plus with the purpose of the organization?
2: Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, purpose is a relatively new thing. So, so I always say that there are there are two things that should be constant for global organizations. As it should be the vision or the purpose. Usually, one of the two. Purpose is a relatively new concept in the last five years. Um, and the values those are the two things that head office headquarters has responsibility for you need to give people either a sense of purpose this is our role in the world Mm. or a Mm. sense of aspiration this is what we want to become and these are our emotional principles these are our emotional connections this is how we bond together as an organization so you're right it's it's those two
1: things super i think they're coming to end our conversation just we have about five minutes left I'm um, i'm really curious to ch- ask this particular question um one of the biggest challenge um in in sri lanka with the whole economic crisis and all the, um, the whole political crisis many of the people start migrating to other countries now for organization it has been a big problem big challenge because they're unable to retain because it's this their choice right but how do can organization really attract um talent and retain the top talent through the organization culture what is your thought
2: yeah, by, by building something that they actually want to be part of, zine. Um, you know, this, there, there was a survey done by uh, Deloitte last year, and, and what it found was the average tenure for millennial employees is 2.9 years. If the organization deliberately builds a strong culture and then sticks to it, then that, that figure rises to five plus years. Now, you know, as someone who used to work in government myself, I was an employee for 30 years, I couldn't pay people the salaries that the private sector was offering my people, but I knew that if I created a really good culture mm. that actually got the job done and we made time to socialize and get mm. to know each other and develop mm. each other and share ideas, that people would stay and they did and and so organizations really do need to think about and it's not about flashy offices yeah it's about giving people time to think mm-hmm. to do their work to give them good balance and sure they want to be paid well for what they do but yeah. they'll always trade money for a great place to work
1: absolutely i think i think um, um that's what the trend has been so far <laughs> in uh, this part of the world so um Colin, well, one last thing before we go to the rapid fire section, what would be one key takeaway you want to share with um, listeners and the viewers who are watching this particular podcast and listening? What the key message you want to really spot on, 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 on like point, pinpoint on the culture factor? What would you think?
2: the culture doesn't happen by chance Zine, great culture doesn't happen by chance great culture only happens consistently great culture only happens when you put time thought and effort in defining the conditions for success culture is not a nice to have it's an essential if organizations want to achieve their results
1: absolutely thank you very much for sharing that all right so here we come for the rapid fire question Um, your first question is um, what's the first word that comes into your mind when you think of successful organization culture
2: Uh, communication communication super
1: yeah right Um, the next question in one sentence why is a positive culture crucial for employee performance
2: Uh, Creating an environment where employees can bring their best self to work every single
1: day. Fantastic. Um, Can you share one example of how strong organizing culture has really directed a business impact?
2: Uh, so I worked with uh, Red Bull uh, last year. Uh, we brought together every general manager from every country, a hundred people together in Austria. We taught them the importance of culture and how to build great culture. And the following month, they achieved record can sales. They sold wow. a billion cans the month after we did the work.
1: There you go, people. You have an kiss. <laughs> and the last one, <laughs> the last one um, if you had like to sum up... Um, the importance of culture in three words what would they be
2: uh, happiness productivity results
1: right so that's it that's the Rafi Paya. and that's the time what we have ladies and gentlemen um uh, i think one of the key takeaway i really took it don't take culture um, is a good to have thing it's a must-have thing That's what I took from Colin today. I hope our listeners and viewers got plenty of key takeaways today. And um, my humble gratitude to Colin Ellis, Global Culture Consultant, World Reading Speaker and best-selling author, podcaster as well. Um, Of course, you can get connected to Colin and I'm recommending you to because he has some fantastic content on LinkedIn and he's so humble. He will just accept next minute. And of course, you can log on to www.com. Colin the correct me if i'm wrong co scom for more and get to know more about Colin's work and explore on some of the works uh, of course these all details will be available on the podcast note on that note Colin there's been a great conversation of course culture is a huge topic but i think we got find what we want to explore thank you very much for your time and being with us today Thank
2: you so much, Azim.
1: My pleasure.
0: Thank you for joining yet another successful episode of EI Cafe with Azim. We appreciate your time and invite you to subscribe to the show so that you don't miss out on the next episode. Write a review and even rate it if you please. You can also follow Azim Sahir on social media we would also love to hear from you on what topics you'd like us to cover and even who you'd like us to invite to the show we wish you well until we meet again on another episode of ei cafe with azim